a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm so glad you're with us on the program today. We've got some good news to talk about uh, from the state of Rhode Island, where, honestly, we haven't had a lot of good news to discuss in recent years. But a U.S. federal judge... On Tuesday, declaring that Rhode Island's ban on stun guns is unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. This is big because a lot of states around the country that have had these bans on stun guns have actually already taken them off of the books uh, because not only of the Heller decision, but some guidance from the Supreme Court. But Rhode Island was one of those states that just was hanging on, clinging bitterly uh, to what they said was their authority and power. Uh, to strip people of their ability to own this non-lethal means of self-defense. And what's really fascinating about this case is that U.S. District Judge William Smith, who found in favor of these uh, two plaintiffs, I don't think really wanted to. I think he really wanted to be able to uphold this law, uh, but precedent just doesn't allow him to do so. As the Boston Globe reported, uh, Smith's decision comes in the wake of successful legal challenges in other states that have helped make Rhode Island an outlier in outlying stun guns, which deliver painful electric shocks, which, uh, when pressed against the skin, uh, Frank uh, Saccoccio, who's a Rhode Island gun rights attorney, uh, said, I'm very happy that we prevail. He said, what this does is allow individuals that do not want to carry a firearm to carry a less than lethal form of protection in the state of Rhode Island. Now, Judge Smith's decision includes the word Heller 29 times in 33 pages, according to the Boston Globe including in a footnote in which Smith criticized Antonin Scalia's opinion as, quote, judicial activism. As I said, I don't think the judge really wanted to find in favor of the plaintiffs here if he's calling the Heller decision judicial activism. Uh, But he said Heller is the law of the land, and Smith was bound to follow it, he said. Uh, The uh, federal judge also noted that the state of Rhode Island had, quote, failed to demonstrate that stun guns are not in common use or not typically possessed for lawful purposes like self-defense, which is really the standard that has to be used. Uh, in a case called Massachusetts versus Catano, in which the state of Massachusetts charged a woman for illegally possessing a stun gun, the Supreme Court did not directly overturn Massachusetts' stun gun ban, but it did, in essence, remind the courts in Massachusetts, what it said in Heller. And that is that the Second Amendment protects arms that were not in use in 1791. State of Massachusetts had argued, well, I mean, nobody was carrying out a stun gun at the time the Bill of Rights was ratified, so how on earth can stun guns be protected by the Second Amendment? And again, the Supreme Court's response was, go look at what we said in Heller. Because what we said in Heller is that the right to keep and bear arms is not limited merely to those type of arms that were in existence in 1791, any more than the First Amendment only protects your uh, 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 freedom of the press if you're using you know, a quill pen and an inkwell or an actual printing press. No, your First Amendment rights are protected even through electronic communications, and your Second Amendment rights include those arms that have been invented since 1791. Again, as long as they, and this is the test that the Supreme Court said, as long as these arms are in common use for lawful purposes, which is clearly the case, by the way, not only with stun guns, but with modern sporting rifles and semi-automatic firearms in general. So you can understand why uh, judges 
and certainly anti-gun activists who don't like the Heller decision, uh, would call it judicial activism. That doesn't mean that they're right, of course. Again, the plain text of the Second Amendment makes it pretty clear that the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So back to the uh, Rhode Island uh, argument and the argument specifically made by the state of Rhode Island. They, they tried to claim that this law was desperately needed. It was valuable, that uh, you know lives would be endangered if this ban was stripped from the books. But as the Boston Globe notes, the state had had only 12 arrests relating to stun gun usage in Rhode Island since 2005, uh, which is a fact that was cited by the plaintiffs while arguing that people have had them for a lawful purpose. The state said, well... You know, we've got incident reports going back 20 years that that don't talk about uh, stun guns being used for self-defense, which, by the way, if a stun gun is used in self-defense, that doesn't mean that a police report is going to be filed, right? As we know, the vast majority of defensive gun uses in this country don't involve the pulling of the trigger and may very well not lead to a police report or police even being called. So it strikes me that the same would be true for non-lethal means of self-defense as well. In fact, probably more true uh, uh, than uh, if a uh, firearm is uh, used in self-defense, even if the trigger is not pulled. Uh, So the state say, well, look, we just don't have any police reports showing that people are using stun guns in self-defense. It doesn't mean that stun guns were not being used in self-defense. And as uh, Judge Smith noted, however reluctantly, uh, under Supreme Court precedent, It is up to the state of Rhode Island to show that stun guns are not used for lawful purposes like self-defense, and they failed to do so, according to the judge. So one caveat here, this is a U.S. district judge, so this is the first decision. This is the the preliminary decision. If the state of Rhode Island wants, it can appeal, and they can take this case all the way up to the Supreme Court. We have not seen states do that, however. Since the Catano guidance came down in, uh, what was it, 2016. For the most part, states have taken these bans off of the books. And now that a federal judge has ruled that Rhode Island's ban is unconstitutional, I would hope, although I have no expectations whatsoever, but I would hope that the Democratic politicians in Rhode Island would, no pun intended, bite the bullet and uh, say, all right, fine, we lost on this ban. Whether or not that'll actually happen remains to be seen. So we'll keep our eyes open for uh, any new details in this particular case. And, of course, we were watching a number of other cases that are at the Supreme Court, including New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, decision that uh, will hopefully be handed down in late May or early June. Uh, And then we've got a number of cases queued up ready for the court's consideration, including bans on quote-unquote high-capacity magazines, bans on so-called assault weapons, uh, all of which the court uh, could uh, agree to accept. They could turn down all of these cases. They could send some of them back to lower courts with uh, uh, further instructions based on the Bruin decision. There's a lot that the court can do. Uh, But, uh, you know, we've talked with Alan Gottlieb from the Second Amendment Foundation and others who are cautiously optimistic that the court is going to hear one or more Uh, of these pending challenges, I just wouldn't expect them to hear any appeal from the state of Rhode Island if it gets to that point. 
All right, moving along to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day and our recidivist report. We will start there. It's been a couple of days, but yes, I'm once again going back uh, to the uh, indefatigable uh, reporting of CWB Chicago. They're doing a great job of covering what's going on in the courts in the Windy City. And check out this headline, Uptown Man Gets Probation for Attacking and Robbing a Man in a Social Distancing Dispute. Yeah, I don't really care what led up to the attack and the robbery. I care more about the fact that a guy got probation for attacking and robbing somebody. Uh, Allie J. Jenkins pleaded guilty to felony charges of robbery and aggravated unlawful use of a weapon. Judge Michael Hood sentenced him to two years probation and 30 years, or excuse me, 30 hours, not 30 years, 30 hours of community service. The 50-year-old victim in this case, according to CWB Chicago, was exiting a sandwich shop in the Uptown neighborhood in Chicago back on May 7th of 2020, when Jenkins, who's now 21, and four of his friends walked in, at least they tried to walk in, they're all wearing masks, the man asked Jenkins, this is May of 2020, right? When the man asked Jenkins and his friends to step back, hey man, can you stay six feet away? Because remember, we're socially distancing in May of 2020. If we didn't, you know, bad things would happen to you. When the guy asked Jenkins and his buddies, hey, can you step back, give me a little bit of space, Jenkins instead punched the victim in the face. Jenkins' friends then began punching and kicking the man as he fell to the ground. The man tried to call 911, but Jenkins allegedly took his phone and fled the scene with the other suspects. A uh, nearby surveillance camera from the Chicago Police Department uh, captured portions of the attack. Didn't prevent the attack, of course. You know, It's a camera. It's not going to be able to stop an attack. But at least they were able to you know, get some evidence so that they could prosecute Allie J. Jenkins after the fact and give him a slap on the wrist and tell him, don't do that again. Yeah. No charges ever announced against the other attackers, by the way. Police uh, respond to the scene after one of the victim's friends called for help. Officers searched the area. They found Jenkins near his home, arrested him after a brief foot chase. They said that he had a loaded handgun tucked in his waistband. Uh, and there you go. Allie J. Jenkins pleading guilty to felony robbery. Aggravated unlawful use of a weapon in Chicago, and the sentence that Mr. Jenkins received for this violent felony offense, two years probation, less than a week of community service, if you're doing eight hours a day, 30 hours of community service, who says crime doesn't pay in the Windy City, right? Today's armed citizen story from Houston, Texas, where a, a burglary suspect was shot early Wednesday morning after police say that he was uh, following a homeowner in a, quote, threatening manner and tried to stab him. That part didn't make it into the headlines there at uh, KTRK from Houston. Uh, they do report, however, that the uh, suspect was shot by the homeowner after the suspect tried to stab him when the homeowner was entering the residence uh, on uh, Canal Street. In Houston, Texas. The owner, by the way, says that there have been a lot of attempted break-ins in the area. So he was outside of his house just checking on his property. Police said the homeowner, unable to get in through a side door, quickly realized that there was somebody in his home. And that's when he came face-to-face with a man with a knife. He told police he tried to back away from the man, but the suspect kept following him, trying to stab him, which is when the homeowner fired a single shot, hitting the subject. Uh, one detective with the Houston Police Department said um, homeowner uh, was as he was walking around to the front of his residence. Man approaches him with a knife. Homeowner attempts to retreat. Man continues to follow him with a knife in a threatening manner. Homeowner discharges his firearm one time, striking the individual 
Suspect's identity has not yet been released. Homeowner tells police it looked as if some money was missing. Uh, case will now uh, be heard by the uh, Harris County DA's office, but based on all of the evidence to date, if that holds up, uh, this would be a clear case of self-defense. We'll keep our eyes out for uh, any additional information as it becomes available. And finally today, our good deed of the day, from California, San Pablo, California, Robert Roy Bang was in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to help save the life of a little girl. There's uh, Officer Bang uh, reunited with the child that he was uh, able to save. This was uh, earlier this week, March 14th. Police officers called uh, to the scene about a baby not breathing. And Officer Roy Bang knew what to do when he got there, quickly grabbing the child, giving it a back blow, rubbing its back, according to police. Uh, the uh, police department said after these life-saving measures, the baby quickly started breathing and crying. When paramedics arrived, the baby was alert and breathing. They took over and transported the baby to the hospital for recovery. Officer Bang, by the way, uh, before becoming a police officer, was a paramedic for uh, seven years. So, again, had that training, had that experience, but uh, also had the, uh, the, 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 the foresight and the intestinal fortitude to respond without panicking. Uh, and, again, a life was saved as a result. So, Officer Roy Bang, we thank you, sir, for your very good deed. Now, that is about all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program, as always. Uh, we will be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information. We are looking right now at what's going on in Indiana. Will Governor Eric Holcomb sign constitutional carry language? If he doesn't, I think he's going to be the only Republican governor to reject that measure. Not just this year, but I, I, I can't think of another Republican who has said no to constitutional carry when they have had the opportunity to sign it, and a deadline is quickly approaching for uh, Governor Holcomb. We are also uh, going to be talking about what Ohio Second Amendment activists are hoping to do now that they have passed constitutional carry in the Buckeye State. They are not ready to shut up or to settle down. They have uh, more items on their agenda. We'll be covering that at BearingArms.com today. I'd encourage you to check out the website whenever you can. We are constantly updating with the latest Second Amendment news and information that you need to know about. And if you like what you see, you can always become a VIP subscriber. All you have to do is go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you'll get a significant savings on your VIP membership. We really do appreciate your support of our independent pro-Second Amendment journalism. And so as a way of saying thank you, we're going to give you... Exclusive content, news stories, analysis, stuff you won't find anywhere else because your support really does matter. It really does make a difference, and it truly is appreciated. All right, have a great rest of your Wednesday. We'll see you back here before long. Until then, now you know the drill. Be well, be safe, and be free.